you are new, welcome. Welcome to MCC. <laughs> yeah, great to have you. And uh, we've been in a series um, it, uh, that's based out of Psalm 127. Uh, we've been talking about unless the Lord builds the house, those that labor, build, labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, those who are watching, watch in vain. And so <clears throat> we've been taking the opportunity to talk about uh, some of the basic principles of of, um, of what it means to truly build. And I think that uh, for the last couple of weeks, the idea, the concept has been built around taking time to not so much, thank you so much, not so much build the church in a conventional type of way <clears throat> where we talk about building numerically, trying to find ways and stuff that we do in order to go out and witness to people and bring people to church and, and so on and so forth. That is wonderful. Please don't get me wrong. <clears throat> but we are, because of a unique situation, unique time in our church right now, we believe that the growth that we need to experience and, and how it's more important how we build versus what we're building and encouraging people to come to church at this point in time, Right? So how we build is absolutely of particular importance. Uh, it's about getting the foundations right. It's about taking time to emphasize and to magnify those foundational things in the Word of God that make us as believers stronger. We're talking about prayer. We're talking about worship, what we did today. Weren't they great? Weren't they great? Yeah, we're so thankful for the worship team and everyone that's volunteering. So thankful for them. And, uh, <clears throat> uh, and, and we're talking about, you know, reading the Word of God and fellowship within the body. These are important foundational principles of our Christian walk with the Lord that unless we actually do them, all we're doing is talking about them and talking about those is not enough. We actually need to step into being practical and doing what we need to do. If you were not here for, for the first and the second part, you can go to the MCC app and take those. I, don't, uh, I won't take the time to go through uh, a full recap. <clears throat> but I want us to focus on the premise of Psalm 127. If you recall, we talked about the fact that Solomon wrote this psalm. And this psalm is basically a warning from Solomon saying, hey, you know what? You need to do something. You need to build carefully. You need to build with the Lord, and you need to build well. But how do we do that, right? So in part two, we talked about Nehemiah. The Nehemiah was the cupbearer to the king. And it was basically a guy that would sip on the wine before the king would take the wine so that if there was any poison, it would be him dying and not the king. That's a bad job to have. In case you were looking for a job, do not look for the cupbearer job. Not a good idea. Uh, <clears throat> but, uh, you know, Nehemiah was just a normal, regular Joe like you and I. And most importantly, God gave him an assignment to do something that was greater than himself. But you know something about Nehemiah? Nehemiah was not a construction guy. And God told him, go and build the walls and restore the gates. Uh... How do I do that? It's amazing what Nehemiah did. He completed the work in 52 days. What had taken them years 
to try to accomplish. He did that in 52 days because he inspired the people of God, especially inspired the families to stand on the wall in the section of the town of Jerusalem where they lived to build and protect the walls around their families. That is so important. That's a message in and of itself. But <clears throat> what we're going to focus on today is talking about the fact that uh, building walls is of absolute importance. And because much of what we do in the church is individuals, right? It's you and I that are participating, right? You know, everything that we do from the worship to preaching to, uh, you know, even, by the way, the chairs that you're sitting in today were set up by a group of people that we are so thankful for because we come on Sunday here. Yeah, thank you. Thank, thank you, God, every one of you that, that helped us out with that and, and over the weeks that has, that has helped us. Um, <clears throat> we're so thankful, right? And so because it's individuals, imperfect people like you and I, we want to focus today on individual members of the church. And so I'm going to talk about, uh, in our text actually today, is found in Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. Jeremiah chapter, chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. This is a very important passage of scripture. Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth. That's Jeremiah talking. And the Lord said to me, behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have set you this day over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and break down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build up and to plan. What an interesting scripture, isn't it? You see, God is a God of order. And God's priorities are not the same as our priorities. The way that he sees the fulfillment of what he wants to accomplish, both in our lives, in our church, in our families, in our city, in the world, is not the same way as we actually see them. And so <clears throat> there's a first point here in verse 10 where um, we need to understand that God, right, is about, it, it actually has to start where we would think we would never touch something. So let me explain this. If you do house renovation, right, you have to do something as you do house renovation. But let, me, let me say this. If you have a bathroom and you have a shower in the bathroom, it's a small bathroom, you have no window, you have no fan, and you take constant showers, what's going to happen after a while? Any construction guys? Joe, what happens? You're going to get some mold, right? Right? And so... There's mold that's going to come. And so if you see mold, what's with it? What, what do you do? You take a bit of paint, right? A lot of people do that. They take a little paint over the, the molded spot. Let me just cover that so nobody sees that I got mold in my bathroom. And then three days after, there's another spot that pops up. And you cover that. And then there's another spot because mold spores actually spread. Now, <clears throat> if you want to actually get rid of that problem... And you can do it by, you know, there's a special paint that you can put that kills, that kills the stuff. But eventually, that's going to find its way out. The only way to actually fix that problem is to remove the sheetrock because it's 
bad, right? It's tainted with mold. You put, install a fan that will take that condensation out of the bathroom as you're taking a shower. That way the room stays drier and you don't run the risk to actually have mold in your bathroom, which is not good for you. So <clears throat> it's the same thing when you do renovation. You know, the first thing that you do, you have like one of those demo days, right? You got to pull everything out that's not good. You just want to move it out. And then you build up. This is very much along the same lines of what God was telling Jeremiah. Can we put that verse up again? That's what he was telling him. See, I've set you over the nation and kingdom to pluck up and break down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build up and to plan. There's an order of things. And God's order is very clear. You need to pluck up, break down, destroy, overthrow before you can actually build up and plant. Now, first of all, Jeremiah was told something about, you know, from God that is absolutely important. And all of us realize this. That Jeremiah was, was told by God, see, I have set you this day over nations and over kingdoms. What was God telling Jeremiah? He was telling him this. You see, Jeremiah, I have appointed you. The job is a tough one, but I have chosen you and I have selected you and I have appointed you. And there's something in the church today that we must realize that God has appointed us to be his hands and feet. Guys, God will not come down to get the job done for us. God will not come down and set chairs. God will not come down and lead worship. He uses you and I to do it. He has appointed us. And you know what's, what, what happens in our lives is that we start thinking that we are not significant to the kingdom. We start thinking that we are not as important as maybe somebody else. You know, oh, you know the band, they, they, they can sing, they can do what they do. I'm not that important. And so we start thinking that because we are not, quote unquote, necessary to the kingdom, that I can just slip by the wayside, nobody will see me. Nobody will realize that I'm even there and I'll do my thing. How many of you fall prey to that sometimes? Come on, be honest. Yeah, yeah, I've been there. I've been there. We believe a lie of the enemy. But I want you to know today that we are sons and daughters of God. God's desire is to restore a godly identity into each and every one of us. And when God appoints us, it is because he believes that we have what it takes in order to do what he is asking us to do. We, he knows that we know what it takes. And so I want you to stop and stop believing the lie of the enemy. Stop believing that word, that voice inside that says, you are not good. You cannot do this. You're not worthy. None of us will ever be worthy. But all of us were worth his sacrifice. And he died on the cross for us. He chose us. And you know what? I want you to know that God makes no mistakes. He has made no mistakes on you. He has not made no mistakes on choosing you for the job. He's not made any mistakes. Never will. Never has. Never will. So there are walls that we must tear down before we can actually build. Jeremiah was 
was told you need to pluck up, tear down, destroy, annihilate. And you know what? That was the first thing that needed to happen. Now, we've talked about walls and need to be, that the walls of Jerusalem needed, needed to be repaired in order to keep the enemy out, right? But there, in our lives individually, there are walls that we need to tear down. So let me start by talking about some of those walls. <clears throat> when God told Jeremiah that he needed to pluck up, tear down, destroy, and overturn, these are very strong words. Now, you know, they're strong in the, uh, in the English language, but in the Hebrew, they actually convey the idea of total destruction, total annihilation, literally putting to death, to utterly eliminate. You know why? Because God doesn't play games. When he sees something in our lives that needs to be removed, he doesn't play games. He is going to call it what it is. And so let me ask you, what are some of the walls in your life today that, that you need to utterly destroy, eliminate, annihilate, put to death? Now, God is asking you and me to do that. You may look at God and say, God, go ahead. No, he's actually looking to us. Because we play a part in actually destroying those things that are not of God. So <clears throat> let's talk about walls. I think the number one wall, well, these are not necessarily in order, but a, one of the walls that we need to destroy is a wall of religiosity. The wall of religiosity. Wall of religiosity. In Paul, Paul in Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 3, he warned the church about this. He said, stay away from people who are treacherous, lovers of themselves, more than God. And then in verse 5, he says these words. He says that they have the appearance of godliness. They're there. Do we actually have that verse? 2 Timothy 5, 3, 5. Having, there you go. Oh, it's 1 Timothy 5, 8. Oh, wow. Okay. Close. It was close. I think the one before is that the one? Maybe it's not there. Okay, my bad. I didn't put it there. But in verse 5, it says that having a form of godliness, but denying the power. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. You know what Paul says that we should do with these people? Avoid them. Now, that's a harsh word. That's a harsh word. If you have people in your life that look good, they talk the talk, but don't walk the walk, stay away from them. Because you're not going to build you up. You may spend an hour, two hours with people that all they do is just like talk, just a bunch of nonsense. Let's just be honest. Let's just be honest here for a moment. If we're going to walk and grow in the Lord, we need to surround ourselves with people of like-minded and like heart that actually understand, know the Word of God and can actually support and bring us up out of our own situation at times. Because you know what? We're not perfect. We go through issues in our lives. But God is looking for people of influence that we'll surround ourselves with. So He says, stay away from them. Stay away from them. Now, the religious spirit looks good, sounds good, sounds right, but behind pretty words, it's a form of godliness with no power. Again, they talk the talk. But if you ask them to do something, you know what? 
I, I was talking to a, a pastor. <clears throat> we were in a meeting, and this pastor was saying, you know, if I am sick in a dime bed, he looked at somebody that was in the room, he says, I want that guy to pray for me. Wow. That did something for me. You know what? Because there are people that believe God outside of the norm, and I want those people in my life. I'm looking to surround myself with people of faith that will encourage me and lift me up. If we are in a depressed state and we never hear a word of encouragement around us, hey, change the crowd that surrounds you. Change it. Because they're not building you up. They're not taking you to a place where you need to be in the Lord. Oh, yeah. The, word, the Greek word actually for... Uh, these people having a form of godliness, a form, it's actually the word morphous, right? It's, it, it's, the, it's the actual word where we take the, the you know, the, where, you, where you morph into something. There are people that morph into something, right? And people that have a form of godliness will morph into an unbelievable Christian. I mean, oh, they got every scripture verse in the book. They remember everything. But in reality, the essence is not there. The foundation is not there. And so I pray that God will teach us to stop pretending and to tear down walls, any wall of religiosity, because that's not of God. One of the walls that we need to tear down is a wall of unforgiveness. Wall of unforgiveness. Paul in Colossians chapter 3 verse 13 says that we must forgive others as Christ has forgiven us. If we have unforgiveness toward a brother or a sister or anybody around us, I want you to know something, that we can't be forgiven. God forgives those who forgive others. And so you know what? What will happen is that our prayers will bounce to the ceiling and right back down because we have unforgiveness in our hearts. We also need to destroy walls of bitterness. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 31. It says this. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. Along with all malice. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. If we give ourselves, church, if we give ourselves to, to, to this, right? Slandering, wrath, anger, clamor, all this stuff, they take root in our lives. I want you to know that bitterness is like a plant that spreads faster than we can actually even think. Peter, in Acts chapter, I think, 8, rebuked Simon, the magician. He told them, I perceive that you have, you're in the, it, it, basically, it was like you have a root of bitterness inside of you. He told them the gall of bitterness. This bitterness is like, you know, is that the, the worst possible bitter taste? That's what it does. When, when you talk to a bitter person, it just leaves a bitter taste in your mouth. You know that it's not right. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15 says, See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. It defiles. Bitterness defiles. 
Bitterness founds its place in the heart. And we must be aware of the effects of bitterness because it leads to a couple of things. It leads, bitterness leads to anger and it leads to retaliation. When you're bitter in your heart at somebody, all you plan is like, oh, how can I get back to that person? And anger, guys, leads to retaliation. And retaliation can actually lead to murder. And not, that's not necessarily mur the murder that you're thinking of, although I truly believe that anyone that physically murders somebody was absolutely deeply embittered inside of his heart. But also, in the proverb, it says that we can actually kill people with our mouths. And so when we are embittered, we can actually murder people with our tongues. Ridding ourselves of bitterness, and, and that spirit requires humility, it requires repentance. And I want you to know, as far as I'm concerned, I, I believe that you're all, you're all in, the same, uh, in, in, in the same boat as with me in this, that, you know what? I don't want any bitterness. I don't want bitterness. You know what? I am not letting it sit there. And that means that if something, you know what? <laughs> I, um, uh, there was a, uh, somebody told me today about uh, a pastor that preached a message. Um, you know, it's just the Lord had just impressed on his heart to just stop preaching. You've said the same thing many times and people have not done it. And so the next Sunday, he went on the pulpit and he said to the congregation, love one another. And then he sat down. And there was total silence. Awkward silence. And he waited a few minutes and he got up and he said, love one another. He sat down. Total awkward silence. And he got up a third time and he said, love one another. And that's when the lights went on in everybody's mind. And they started realizing, oh, let me look around. Love one another. And so people started talking and opening up and sharing their heart and there were people that needed a job and somebody says oh I, I can I got somebody that 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 can do that for you and someone needed a touch from God in a particular area you know what let me pray for you and the body of Christ finally started to gel in a place where there was actual true love that was being displayed let's tear down the wall of bitterness in the name of Jesus we can do something when we actually learn to love one another. <clears throat> another wall that we need to tear down is a wall of fear. In 2 Timothy 1 and in, in verse 7 it says, For God gave us a spirit not of fear. Please notice that it says a spirit. It's a spirit. Fear is not an emotional condition. It's a spirit. It's a spirit. If you look around what's going on with a lot of people in, in, in our society today, fear is at an all-time high. Suicides are at an all-time high. And all sorts of family dysfunctions at an all-time high because of fear, 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 fear. Now, for God give us not a spirit of fear. That in the Greek is actually the word cowardice. So God did not give us the spirit of a coward, but of power. And that's the same word that what happened in, in Acts 
chapter 2. It's dynamite. It's dunamis. So he gave us dynamite instead of being a coward. And love, that's agape love. That's that same word. It's sacrificial love. He gave us sacrificial love and self-control. Fear has got to go. Let's tear down that wall of fear. There's another wall I want to talk about that needs to come down. It's a wall of rejection. In Psalm 27 and verse 10, it says, For my father and my mother have forsaken me, for though my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. The Lord will take me in. You see, rejection is a spirit that pushes others before it is pushed away. That's what rejection does. You push others away before people reject you. Because why? Because you're afraid that they're going to push you away first. And so you're like standoffish, right? We use that word. Like you're standoffish toward people. Like, what? What's his problem? What's her problem? It's just stuck up. Like, come on. No, it's just a spirit of fear. A, a spirit of rejection that he's overtaken them. Now, people with rejection will always try to do something. Impress others. You always know someone struggles with rejection when they're trying to impress you. Why is that? Ask yourself the question. Think of it this way. This is what the mindset of someone that's going through a spirit of rejection. If they could just like me. If they could just love me. If I can do something so that they can like me and love me, maybe they won't push me away. Maybe they'll think that I'm something. Maybe they'll think that I'm important. That I'm a good person. Let's destroy rejection. Because you know why? We are all, our identity in God is sons and daughters of the Most High God. And rejection is a lying spirit that comes to you and tells you that you are not worthy, that you're no good. Push others away before they push you away. Come on now. We are all sons and daughters of God. We love each other. We accept each other just the way we are. Just the way we are. Because God accepted us just the same way. There's so many other walls that we need to tear down in, 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 our, in the church today and in our own lives. I, I'm talking about walls of racial separation. That's terrible. That's disgusting. That's got to go. Walls of hatred. That's disgusting. That's got to go. Walls of selfishness and selfish ambition. Walls of apathy in the church. That's what, remember what you were talking about this morning? Apathy? Right, that we come to church and we're like, like, I don't know what happened to me. Somebody put me in a straight jacket. You know, that could be a form of apathy. That's got to go. Prayerlessness. It's got to go. Church, let me impress on you. Prayer is the very lifeline of the church now, today, in this moment. In this moment. Not later, not tomorrow. We have opportunities to, to, to pray together as a body. We are here, right behind the sanctuary, the upper room, at every Wednesday morning, 6.30 to 7.30. For those of you who have come, it's a blessing. We pray, we encourage each other we in, in, in the word and so on and so forth. And I'm not going to stop talking about prayer because we absolutely need prayer then we also do the same thing on zoom on thursdays 
And this Thursday, by the way, we're actually encouraging everyone to do it, to, to do it within their families, right? Let's like build prayer inside of our families, especially that it is Thanksgiving. It's a great way to be thankful. And so prayer, walls of apathy and prayerlessness, walls of envy and jealousy, they got to go. None of these things can actually stay in the presence of God. But there's something that we need to do. Once we tear down, Jeremiah was told by God that you need to now build up and plant. Now, once the job is complete to tear down, you plant. Now, the Hebrew word for plant here is not what my daughter loves so much, and it's actual plants. It's not a noun. It's a verb, okay? We're not talking about plants, although they're beautiful. We're actually talking to plant, right? Just make sure that we all understand it. Now, when I, <clears throat> when I was in Italy and I, I did tent ministry, uh, we, you know, building up a tent is a unique thing, right? You need to, you know, first put that major, the major poles that will hold that in the middle. And then you have people that go on the outside of the tent and they pull up, you know, these individual posts in order to sustain the sides of the tent. Now, once all that is done, you say, are you done? Absolutely not. If you leave that tent up just the way that it is, you know what's going to happen? The first wind comes up, it's going to take that tent somewhere. And so what we needed to do <clears throat> is actually put pickets down to support each of the uh, individual posts that are lying on the outside of the tent. And, you know, when we bought that tent, they gave us, you know, the little straight uh, metal pickets and you just throw them into the ground and, and we just quickly realized these are not going to support anything. So we had something made that would actually look like an airplane. It was a thick metal steel, like a, like a square piece of steel with a, like a triangle so that it would actually go down below the, the, the whether it be dirt or grass or actually those things could go into, uh, into asphalt like nothing. It's unbelievable. Super sharp. But, you know, you had to be there with a 20-pound sledgehammer and just, like, nail those things down. It was a job in itself. That is actually what Jeremiah was talking about when you plant, right? You actually need to support the structure. You need to establish it, fix it. That is literally what the Hebrew word for this particular word, plant, really literally means. And so we need to plant something. We need to build up and plant what are we going to do? Let's talk about some walls that we need to build up at this point. I think that the number one wall, the most important one in my personal experience is a wall of intimacy with God. The wall of intimacy with God. It all started in the garden when God walked with the men in the cool of the day. But in James chapter 4 and verse 8 says, very common passage that we know, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Imagine that God is at the end of the stage, and I take a step, and he takes one step. And I take another step, and he takes one more step. And then I take another, and he takes another one. So that we are literally face-to-face. -face. Intimacy literally means that, that God into me sees, right? It, that's intimacy. That is like being so close to somebody that you get to see everything about that person, understand everything about that person. There's nothing more important 
than intimacy with the Father in our lives. If we understand it and receive His heart, that's the only way to actually do it. If you want to get His heart, that's the way to do it, to spend time with the Father. And so we need to embrace it and plant it to make sure that intimacy is number one thing that we go after. Number two, I think we need to erect a wall of spiritual disciplines in our lives. You say, spiritual disciplines? Does anybody even talk about discipline anymore nowadays? I mean, let's face it. Discipline? What is that? Now, spiritual disciplines are habits or practices or experiences that are designed to develop, to grow, to strengthen our souls and our spirit. They are the very thing that builds the spiritual muscles that are needed in order to strengthen our inner life. They are the work out of the soul and of the spirit. That's what we do to work out. I'm talking about reading and studying the word of God. I'm talking about just not saying, you know, doing the religious, the spiritual thing, right? We talked about the spirit of religion. Oh, the spirit of religion goes, oh, okay, yeah, I need to read a psalm today. Let me see. Oh, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not what? Amen. <laughs> done. Done my thing. I done. See, Lord, I, re I read the word. And then I got to pray. Okay, Lord, bless this food. Amen. I prayed. All right. <laughs> Studying the Word of God. Taking time to meditate upon the Scriptures. Setting time aside to worship God. Setting time aside to spend time with the Lord. So that we are actually growing. That when we come to church, we're not dependent upon the musicians and the singers to lead us where we should be already. When we worship at home, we come here all set, ready to go. We're talking about prayer. We're talking about communion with God. We're talking about praying in the Spirit. We're talking about fasting and serving, evangelizing, but also exhibiting self-control. Those are spiritual disciplines. Self-control, being generous, giving to the body, giving to the Lord. And let's not forget that there's also something else that is super important, and it's called rest. Because sometimes we go, 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 and never find time to rest. That's a discipline that we need in our lives. Walls of spiritual discipline. There's also walls of integrity that we need to erect. As someone said, integrity is doing the right thing when no one is watching. Integrity is doing the right thing when no one is watching. It is being honest and having a strong moral compass and you may say is that in the word absolutely it is proverbs chapter 11 verse 3 it says that the integrity of the of the upright guides them but the unfaithful are destroyed but their duplicity that word duplicity means double-mindedness when you are a person of integrity your moral compass goes in one direction you know that we need to be honest and sincere in all of our doings that is of utter importance we need to build that wall another wall to build is a wall of healthy families we need to build walls around our families to make our families healthy now i think it all starts <clears throat> with being mindful 
being mind, mindful about the needs of our families. Now, in 1 Timothy 5 and 8, you know, there's a, it's a common scripture that I think that we have misinterpreted because it talks about being, um, uh, that you don't, pro if you don't provide for your family, you're actually worse than a heathen, right? I think we've, we've thought of that as saying, okay, well, I need to put food, a you know, food on the table, a roof over my family's head, and I think that is everything that God requires of me. But that's actually not what this verse is saying. Yes, those are needed, but the words does not provide actually come from a two, uh, two actual separate words in the Greek that literally mean to consider in advance. In other words, what that actually means is be proactive. Being proactive. That's where I think so many times we fail. And I want to talk as a man. We fail in being proactive, looking at the needs of our families and doing something about it. And so what we think is like, all, you know, as a man, I just got to put the bacon on the table. My family needs, you know, food and a roof over their heads. And that's where we stop. But that's not where God wants us to stop at. He actually wants us to be proactive. Proactive in taking care of the needs of our families. Right? Now, someone said that by third grade, children will settle on a belief system of God that will shape their belief system of God, they will shape it and either strengthen it or destroy their belief of God. By third grade. Guys, third grade. Look at your children. Be proactive. Make them your mission. Now, how are we training our children? What are we being intentional about day in and day out with our children that they will remember? Do they see us pausing? Do they see us praying? Do they see us taking a moment to say thank you, God, for all your provision? Praying for the food at the table? Those are little minor things that make a change in eternity. You know one of the, the things that I always remember about my mom? When I was walking away from the Lord and I wanted to do my thing and I just didn't want to go to church and... You know, I'm like rebellious, leave me alone. I remember her by her bedside, on her knees, crying out for David. I remember that. So I would pass by the room and I would see her and I would just run the other way. <laughs> I didn't want to know anything about it. But I knew that there was something being done there. And that's why one day when I was invited under a tent that I later served under, I've heard that message, it pierced through my heart, and it changed my life. So we need to do the, ba the basic things <clears throat> for our children to see godliness in our lives. Now, that also, there's also something that pertains to our spouses. Let's remember in Ephesians 5, verses 22 to 28, that it says, Wives, submit to your husbands. Now, husbands... Before you take out your whip and start cracking the whip, let me read the rest of the verse. Because it says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. How did Christ love the church? He died for the church. Are you ready to die to yourself for your spouse? Am I ready to die? Willing to die. Sacrificial love. Love, in, in that same chapter, it says that we need to love 
our wives as we love our very body. I know you're thinking of songs now. Love your body. We have got to love our wives the way God loves them. You know what Paul says here also? It says that if you love your wife well, you're actually loving yourself. So if I want to love myself well, I need to love my spouse. And if you're married, you need to love your spouse just the same way as you love yourself. Another wall that I, th I believe we need to erect is a wall of purity. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 5, it says, <clears throat> Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. In Matthew 5, it says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. God is looking for purity inside our hearts. When we are pure, that purity allows our eyes to be open to see God. Purity allows us to see God. In Psalm 119, verse 9, it says, How can a young man keep his way pure? Young people, if you want to keep your ways pure before the Lord, here it is. It is by guarding that heart, guarding it according to your word. Make sure that the word of God is the compass, is the very thing that you follow in order to keep purity way before you, ahead of you, and behind you in all aspects of your life. Purity is a result of understanding and following the word of God. Amen. There's also another wall, a wall of forgiveness. We talked about unforgiveness before. Of course, if you destroy a wall of bitterness and a wall of unforgiveness, we need to erect a wall of forgiveness because we know that we must forgive others as Christ forgave us. <clears throat> Walls of gratitude. In 1 Thessalonians 5 and 18, it says, give thanks. Give thanks in all circumstances. That's not for all circumstances. It's in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Guys, gratitude is the antidote for a spirit of entitlement. Gratitude is the antidote for a spirit of entitlement. I want, 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 want. I want to go to church and just sit and, 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 and just, you know, just worship God today. I just, I just want to go there and just let, leave me alone. I just got to do my thing, you know, and just go home. You know, are you grateful, you know, for all the people that have accomplished the things that, uh, that, are, that are done each Sunday that we gather, that we meet. I know some of you are. I know all of you, but you need to check your heart. One Sunday, a pastor dismissed everyone on campus. He said, no greeters, no ushers, no parking team, no singers, nobody. He'd send them all, give them all a day off. Everybody got there, and they thought, we having church? Yeah, they did have church. They had church without music. They had church without greeters. <clears throat> they were fortunate because they had stable pews, and they did not have to <laughs> set up chairs like we do. Uh, but there was nobody to greet. 
There's nobody in the parking lot saying, welcome. You know what that did? That actually created a sense of gratitude in everybody. And it also helped them realize, wow, you know, unless I actually give myself away, unless I actually volunteer, I'll do something to help out. Nothing is really going to happen unless I step in. And that is for all of us. Walls of gratitude. Walls of gratitude. We're on Thursday, this coming Thursday is Thanksgiving. Take a moment to look around your families, the people around you, and just be truly grateful and thankful for the people around you. Be thankful for your spiritual family. Be thankful. Finally, the wall of love. I think wall has to be, has to be the driving force for everything we do and <clears throat> every wall that we build. Here's my version of 1 Corinthians 13. Are you ready? If we have no love, we just make a bunch of noise. We are empty, loud, aggravating, and irritating. That's the truth. That's the truth. I'm not going to start my own version of the Bible, but sometimes I feel that people that just are like, they just have no love. Like, you just sense it. They're like, not good people to hang out with. But you know what? That can happen to all of us. If love does not drive everything that we do and every wall that we build up, we are just like that. I know that there's other walls. Walls of discernment. Walls of honesty. Walls of trust and reliance. Walls of walking in the spirit. Not just walking out of our own desires and wishes but walking in the spirit let me conclude like this like any building we need to make sure that the foundations of the building do not have any cracks <clears throat> and you know what goes through cracks right if you know if you've seen walls especially outdoor walls snakes go through cracks right snakes go through cracks in 1 Corinthians 3 and 11, it says, For no one can lay a foundation other than which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. We need to build on Jesus. Not my ideas, your ideas, not my strategies or your strategies. We need to build on Jesus because he is a sure foundation. In fact, Jesus is described as the chief cornerstone. It's a stone that's placed when you're building the foundations in order to erect a building so that it will actually stand. But there's also gates that we need to contribute uh, to the tearing down of our walls. And actually gates can destroy walls. And I'll tell you why. Because if we're not careful, if we're not aware, there are three gates that will open the door to the enemy that will cause destruction of our walls that we bring up. Number one, the eye gate. Talking about this. Number two, I'm talking about the ear gate. And I'm talking about the mouth gate. When these three gates are out of control to the tearing down of walls of our lives, it all, I'm telling you, it all falls apart. It all falls apart. We build in vain and we watch in vain if we are not paying attention to making sure that not only the walls are up for our protection, 
but that also the foundation is solid and that the gates, the gates are closed. What are you watching with your eye gates that is compromising God's presence in you? What are you listening, whether it's people or I don't know, podcasts or whatever you're listening to that actually compromises your position in God. What are you saying? Because the mouth gate speaks of what is perceived through the eyes and through the ears. What are we saying? What we actually say, it's, a, uh, it's in response to what we are hearing and what we are seeing. The mouth speaks out of the abundance of the heart. The heart perceives through its five senses. And so let's be careful. Be careful what we watch. You know, we used to sing that song in Sunday school. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. There's a father up above and he's looking down in love. Oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear. Oh, be careful, little mouth, what you say. Why is it that when we grow up, we somehow put those aside and we forget that God is actually looking for us to be strengthened and to grow in him. I want us to take a moment and just, if we can all stand. <clears throat> we want to sing a song and I, I want to give you the opportunity to just go to the Lord. Just take a minute and go to the Lord right where you are. Just ask the Lord, God, what are the walls that I need to tear down in my life? What are those things that are just like holding me down like a ball and chain at my feet? What are those things? And also, what are those things that I need to strengthen in me? Those walls that I need to erect. We're going to sing a song. And um, you know what? If you want to come and, and, and just take a moment between you and the Lord... The altars are always open. If you have to go, we want to honor those of you that, um, that may want to slip out before everyone else. If you need to do so, may the Lord bless you. But we're just going to take a few minutes and just sing a song, worship the Lord for a minute. Let me just pray for us, and then we can be dismissed. Father, I thank you for the walls that you want us to build around our lives. Father, I pray that we would not be... Uh, uh, slow to tear down those things in our lives that just should not be there. And I pray that in this place we would be believers who are willing to just take the chance and just listen to you, listen to your voice, and listen to what your Spirit is saying. I pray, Father, that you would touch every heart right now in the name of Jesus as we make room to just meditate on your goodness and your grace. In Jesus' name. Thank you.